we could actually a lot of people care for right now, but uh, we could have this. Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubs at the Club, the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. Today, we are brought to you by Snake River Stampede Whiskey, but we'll tell you a little bit more about that later in the show. I am your host, Dallas Hammer, joined today by brave, bold Brian Marceau. So, look, we have to start Amateur Hour right away. Martin had an Easter egg ready for everyone, but he decided to play it serious. Martin, give the people what they want. There we go. If you're a live viewer, you know what we're talking about. If you're a listener, I'm sorry. You uh, you just missed Martin having Zach Claus's old University of Nevada bio as our splash page. So, uh, yeah, the Mountaineer Minute happens no matter what. Speaking of our producer, the best producer on the planet, Martin Heemstra. It's good to be back. It's the second week of football. I'm excited for this second week of the season. Guys, let's just jump right into it. Uh, before we get into 
previewing Idaho's week two opponent. Any final takeaways from last week's absolute drumming, a uh, drubbing, excuse me, or, or drumming, honestly, beat them like a drum of the Lamar Cardinals. Any final thoughts? Yeah, I think so. I, I rewatched the game later and Idaho's first string defense gave up three total points. Uh, this is a game on the Big Sky podcast power ranking show where I, we have Idaho ranked number two. I said Idaho could have won this 77 to three if they wanted to. Defensively, Idaho looked pretty dang strong. Um, I know, Dallas, you were right to point out some offensive line. They're not struggles. We're, we're kind of, we're, it is for sure nitpicking talking about Idaho against Lamar when we're pointing out things that were, let's say, quote unquote, suboptimal. Um, it's only in comparison to like Idaho versus Montana State or Idaho versus incarnate word in the playoffs is the subtext that you reference for the offensive line. But you know, you weren't, you weren't wrong uh, to point out that the offensive line does need to grow to get to that top level of the big sky. But otherwise uh, dude, Idaho Hayden Hatton had four catches in the first drive and then only two the rest of the game. It's because Idaho didn't need to go to him. That easily could have been a uh, throwback to Vernon Adams, Cooper cup style game for for Idaho where you know if if Idaho needed Hayden Hatton to have 15 catches he would have had 15 catches so no man um relative to the entire big sky which I covered in the power rankings episode Idaho had the only team that might have had a better week than Idaho was Montana State Dallas I mean that's that's how strong Idaho looked the easy takeaway after that game was look notice the things that that we want to be better Idaho looked good uh, with a question of can they be great, not taken off the table. Yeah, I think the only thing um, I probably could have done a better job clarifying is like Idaho absolutely pantsed Lamar. Like the every weakness that we talked about, again, fully nitpicking. This is a game Idaho won by 25 points. Realistically, it was over at halftime. It was 28-0. I know that the second half, you know, still gets played. And no, it's not over till it's over. But come on. If you look at the the drive charts here, Lamar had Minus three yards, plus five yards, plus six yards, plus 29 yards on punt, 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 and then got the ball back with 33 seconds left in the second, and they played two plays and got two yards. That is a Lamar's offensive output from the first half. When Idaho went touchdown, touchdown, punt, touchdown, touchdown. Like This game was over. Idaho, absolutely a top 10 team in the FCS in my eyes. Everything we we nitpicked about was exactly that nitpicking what is an absolutely great team yeah i guess sorry one last point before you move on i do think we all have to brace ourselves for the fact that giovanni mccoy is going to throw more than six picks this year and that's not going to be a problem part of it's because he's going to get more reps and the offense is i think that jason eck has, has shown he's already trusting giovanni mccoy uh, a bit more than he did for the overwhelming majority of last season. Um, but that's just going to be reality. It's hard to do better than Giovanni did with throwing his, what six picks on the season last year, Dallas. So just be prepped for that. That McCoy still looks good. He looks like he's still in the discussion for top quarterback in the big sky, at the very least a top three worst case, top four quarterback. Uh, but I do think that's going to be a statistical change. Cause I mean, he almost threw, he, he threw one pick versus Lamar. He should have thrown two. If it would have been two against any okay, big sky team, but that that's fine. He, he's easily good enough. This is just a reality of when McCoy has more options and he's trusted more than 
there's just more for him to to take in. He's going to throw picks. Good quarterbacks do throw some picks total, and it's not a big deal. Exactly. You know, that was the the one thing I complained about with Giovanni last year was that as a true freshman, for some reason, I had this feeling like, hey, why the hell isn't he thrown to his third option? He looks at realistically Hatton Jackson and then takes off and gets a huge gain. As obviously he is being trusted more in the passing game. I think we we absolutely saw it against Lamar. I think we're going to see it against Nevada. I think we're going to see it again, again throughout the rest of the year. I think you're absolutely right, Brian. It's something to keep in mind. I, I'm assuming the interception numbers will go up. But typically, if the interception numbers go up, it usually means pass attempts are going up, meaning yep. completions are going up, passing yards are going up, and touchdowns are going up. It's one of those things you live with. So Yeah, t- touchdowns are obviously going to be fine. I do want to hit on one last thing from last week. The biggest winner of last week is all the Idaho fans who never have to listen to those shitty announcers again. Oh. The biggest losers in America are the people who tune in purposely to ESPN plus Lamar streams. So that reason I bring that up guys, look, the reason we've, re- we recorded late today and reason I was late recording last night for the power of rankings episode is because we look, we try to kick ass on tubs, but this does have to fit in with some other stuff in our lives. Like jobs. I, unfortunately. Yeah. I felt pretty embarrassed for the Lamar announcers who appeared like they didn't even bother to have an Idaho roster. Like, I mean, we already covered the Chavez thing, but in the second half, it was clear the announcers were unaware that there could be any tall white guy on Idaho who made a catch who was not Hayden Hatton. It's like when Alex Moore made both his catches, the guy sounded just befuddled that, holy crap, there's a, who has ever heard of a tall white tight end? How could this possibly happen on this team? The, the, the guys were just completely out of their league and it's ESPN+. plus. Yeah, I mean... Honestly, Brian, lateral move. Uh, moving on, guys, Idaho taking on former conference foe Nevada, both conference foe in the Big Sky and in the WAC. Now Nevada, obviously, in the Mountain West Conference. Brian, I'll give you a quick little breakdown on Nevada football. Uh, currently coached by Ken Wilson in his second year at the helm. Uh, he's 2-11 and overall, 2-10 and last year, 1-0, and or excuse me, 0-1 and this year after getting smoked by USC last week. Uh, previously, Ken Wilson was the linebackers coach at Wazoo from 2013 to 2019. Then he went to Oregon, was the linebackers coach in 2020. In 2021, he was their co-defensive coordinator and inside linebackers coach before getting the job at Nevada. He has no head coaching experience. We believe they are 11 personnel. They don't publish depth charts or even their media guide notes anymore. Last time they published that was before FCS Incarnate Word in week three of last year, which they lost on the way to losing every game for the rest of the year. So maybe that was bad juju. Not entirely sure about it. They do play five defensive backs, highlighted by Patty jumping into the comments saying, former Eastern defensive back Trey Weed, who we've definitely seen burned on the Kibbe Dome turf before, is one of the prime players for Nevada. They finished 11th out of 12th in the Mountain West Conference. Brian, what do we think about Nevada? I think this is a great chance for Idaho to pick up uh, what would be a huge win for the playoff resume. Uh, Like you, you hit, you hit it exactly. Nevada, they lose 66 to 14 to USC. Hey, USC is very good. But like you said, coming off a finishing two and 11 in the year, the year before, including closing the season on what they were, was that a 11 game losing streak? 
no, a 10 game. My bad. They're on an 11 game losing streak. They lost 10 consecutive games to close 2022. Um, not a single guy on Nevada was voted to the Mountain West preseason offensive team or all conference defensive team. So if there's any sort of turnaround, uh, it's going to it's going to take Nevada some time. Um, I want to sidetrack the show now to spend one second bitching about how terrible the Mountain West website was. And if you haven't donated to Tubbs of the Club's Patreon, you should donate just because of the labor Dallas and I had to do trying to hunt through the dog shit that is Mountain West media. Martin has the stats page up right now. Uh, yeah, look, the Big Sky is a great entity, guys. Uh, Mountain West, it'd be cool to be in Mountain West, but they're the mountain West is not the cream of the crop in athletic administration. Circling back to Nevada. This is not going to be one of the FBS FCS games where there's a, an obvious talent gap between the two teams. Now depth could matter. Be, and that's where the scholarship totals for the FBS do give a lot of FBS teams an advantage over the FCS. But look, I I've seen a decent amount of analytic projections for this game for quite a while that essentially are calling Idaho at Nevada, a toss up and uh, God damn it. Patty in the comment section. Is that Vandal web? <laughs> Thank you, Patty. Um, no, the, sorry. I, I'm circling back and taking a very long time to say Idaho is not going to be outclassed in this game. Talent wise. It's going to be a huge, huge chance for Idaho to pick up a second win in the out of conference, which would put Idaho in cruise control for at minimum a playoff berth. So this to me is among the most important games Idaho has the entire season and setting themselves up for the playoffs. Or if look, we saw Idaho look great last week. If Idaho is truly a very good to great FCS team, Nevada is absolutely the type of team that the Vandals should, could pick off. And this is the kind of game that I, I, I think Jason Eck and co are going to have to trust Giovanni McCoy and the wideout crew a little bit more than, what we saw for the from most games during last season because that's an area that really I think Nevada can be exploited. Brian, I got to be honest. If it weren't for the fact that Nevada is an FBS school, so people are going to care more because it's an FCS versus FBS game, this is the least interesting game to me that Idaho is going to play all year. I think Nevada is a fucking tire fire. I think Nevada panicked when Jay Norvell completely screwed them and left for Colorado State, taking most of the good players at Nevada with him. For anybody that doesn't know much about Nevada football, Nevada won more than seven games or seven or more games four years in a row. They won, I think, eight, seven, seven, eight, went to four straight bowl games. Jay Norvell was the head coach, left to go to interconference Colorado State, took really any half-decent player with him to Colorado State, who were pretty terrible last year returns are they're going to be pretty terrible this year that's a pretty big rebuilding project but that's how low nevada is in the mountain west that their coach took another job in the conference and completely burned every bridge he had with them on the way out that is to say nevada is an absolutely terrible football team last year you know we're, we're stats guys on this show Last year, Sagarin rankings had Nevada finish as team 148 and Idaho was 118. So Sagarin again advanced stats that rank FBS and FCS schools. This year, Idaho is still ranked above Nevada. Idaho is 123, Nevada is 127. Obviously, that doesn't mean a whole lot, but what's going on is the advanced stats are all saying, yeah, Idaho is a better team than Nevada. I don't particularly think it's very close. Taylor Cash in the comment section saying, 
hey, they have Circus Circus. They got that going for them. Yeah, that's, I mean, realistically, that's what they've got. They've got a great parody TV show. And and that's about it, Brian. They There's not a whole lot of interesting things on this team. You, you, you talk about even their quarterback, Brendan Lewis. He was a starter at Colorado. Two years ago, he started every single game as a true freshman. Last year, he started their first game against TCU, left the team halfway through the year. Cool, I guess, that you had a Pac-12 slash technically soon-to-be Big 12 starting quarterback that is now playing for you. He was not good at Colorado. You see Deion Sanders go in there and absolutely rip everything apart, add in a whole bunch of new guys, and lo and behold, way better in game one than they were at any point in the last three years. All of that to say, I'm not really thrilled by Brendan Lewis. I don't see anything scary about him brian well it's hard to gauge who would be a true threat because if you if you look at the stats from 2022 to 23 the guys who contributed against usc none of them are leaders for nevada last season at all which that what that reads to me is a version of the idaho state you know completely churning completely rotating through essentially the entire program uh, which based off early returns doesn't look radically different. I mean, the Nevada looked not that different against USC than Portland state looked against Oregon. So I, I know that I honestly, I, and I think, and because the big, the mountain West has such terrible, terrible information to sort through. I honestly think the much more, the more intriguing angle for this game is talking about what Idaho is going to do to exploit Nevada because look with, with how many new guys are on the Nevada roster, there isn't a ton to preview other than what we saw against the USC. So I guess Dallas question for you to move this into the, or into the, uh, the angle that I think is more magnetizing for people like you. What, what do you think Idaho needs to do differently against Nevada than against a team like Lamar when Idaho could do essentially whatever they wanted? I mean, you got to clean up the penalties. That to me is the number one thing. Uh, you know, it is an FBS school that is definitely one of, if not the worst FBS school in the country. I don't think there's a whole lot of teams that you could say would comfortably lose to Nevada. I think any team that you're thinking Nevada could beat, it's probably not going to be a blowout, probably not going to be a convincing win. It's probably going to be pretty close. This is, you know, not a great team. Again, like Brian said, should not see a massive talent discrepancy. What we're going to see is, this team's got more depth than Idaho. So what that means is you have to play a clean football game. You cannot give up 100 yards in penalties like you did to Lamar. That, to me, is number one. You just can't do that. If you're out there committing 15-yard personal fouls every every other drive, Eck and Co. are going to be pissed off because that is one way to lose a football game you should absolutely go in and upset this team with. 100% right, and this goes to the nitpicking of the Lamar game. And I think Nevada, again, we're, we're unanimous. We, we know that because it's an FBS on FCS matchup, like look, math just tells you the FBS team is more likely to win this game. But we're not particularly impressed with Nevada, but I, I think this is a game where we're going to, even though Nevada is not very good Mountain West, like I think we'll get a better gauge on what the offensive line actually is for Idaho because Nevada is going to be better defensively than Lamar. It's it, That's a very low bar to clear that Nevada will clear, you know, subterranean fiber optic cable we're talking about. But I, and because of that, I am not, 
I'm not yet confident in the run game being what is going to be able to decimate Lamar in the way that I really think this is the kind of game where Giovanni McCoy and Idaho's top three receivers, all of whom are former all big sky talents, including most recent big sky offensive player of the week, Hayden Hatton. That's the direction I, I think Idaho is going to be a little bit more pass heavy. Not, not nothing crazy. This isn't going to be like Idaho state where Idaho state ran five times against San Diego state and passed 63 times. Like obviously that's not a Jason Eck team, but I do, I wouldn't be shocked at all if we do see the, pass to rush discrepancy being slightly in favor of the pass because that's the type of talent that can really that i think can push can push nevada and give idaho some breathing space where it's not where it's kind of like sacramento state and colorado state last year where i think idaho wants to believes they cannot just narrowly win this game i think idaho believes they can win by 10 points or more and Part of the way they do that and get that breathing space, I think, is leaning on the pass game a bit more and letting letting the most talented dudes on the team dictate the pace. I think you're fully correct, Ryan. That's to me, that's that's how you win this game. And not just because again, it sounds like I'm gonna take a shot at the kid. And I, I don't I truly don't mean it as a shot. Trey Weed is playing meaningful football for this team. We saw Trey Weed play multiple years at Idaho and to be honest, get burned, get smoked pretty frequently against Idaho, both at the Kibbe Dome and up at Roos Field. Just not, not one of those things that's going to instill you in conf- with confidence if you are a deep dive into Nevada, realizing that one of their best defensive backs has played Idaho and has been burned by Idaho, by Therese Trainer, by Hayden Hatton, by Jermaine Jackson. To me, that is how you win this football game. Hopefully, the offensive line can get a little bit more push. I know that Woods had that incredible 98-yard run or 96-yard run, whatever it ended up being. But on the whole, running game averages weren't quite as high as I'm assuming the coaches would like to see. So, yes, it would be nice to get that done, especially against a a front that is, yeah, they're an FBS front. I'm sure the guys that are out there have the talent to be FBS players. It's just maybe pretty low end. That is, yeah, you want to see the offensive line take strides and push because, again, if you're talking about North Dakota State or South Dakota State or Montana State coming into this game, you probably expect their offensive lines to bully the Nevada front seven around. I don't know if Idaho's offensive line is quite there yet, so what do you do? You throw it to three all-conference receivers and an all-conference quarterback leading the way. That's how you win this game. You score a ton more points than they do. Yeah. And on the defensive side of the ball, I, there is one thing that I find like 1% anxiety inducing about, about Nevada, uh, which is Brendan Lewis is mobile. So like he, he's when I say mobile, like, I mean, we saw Dante Sacheray uh, for a half look kind of okay against Idaho last season. Yeah. It's different roster, but just, just premising, putting the premise forth that, uh, there, there's multiple ways Brendan Lewis can hurt a team if Nevada is not getting their ass kicked. Uh, so, you know, to me, this is obviously Lamar was not much of a test for the Idaho defense, um, but they looked good. I mean, whatever in the ways Idaho could have been tested against Lamar, obviously Idaho passed um, Idaho speed wise looked pretty dang good. 
Uh, Jakari Larman looked disruptive on the D line in a way like that we've been waiting for Idaho to have someone for the last few years. I mean, I'm I'm going back to Noah Ellis, not put down to Noah Ellis, but uh, Noah Ellis did not pop at Idaho the way the name would have made you think and the size would have made you think. Jakari Larman absolutely did against Lamar. But I do think making sure that uh, Lewis, who is, you know, like you, you already hit the Colorado pedigree in a negative sense of being on the terrible Colorado roster that was purged, but he, he just left prior to the purge. He, he's ob- Lewis would obviously not be the best passing quarterback in the big sky. It would not be close, but the combination of being able to hurt, hurt teams with his legs a bit and pass good enough. Uh, that is mildly concerning, mostly because of still the young linebacking core. They, they looked good. They look, uh, and by the way, Trey Thomas looks, looks great. He looks like we haven't taken a step back in the middle whatsoever. We still do have some use at that position. That's a potential area where if a guy like Brendan Lewis is, you know, is on, uh, that that's an area you could see Idaho Idaho look a little weak if the guys are if the guys are still in the midst of their learning curve. As a as a gentle pushback to that, I will say that Brendan Lewis had 188 rushing yards in his single year as the full time Colorado starter. Again, terrible team. And yes, he is mobile. That is like, you're going to have to expect the linebackers to cover him. And I think that's the most intriguing part of this story to, to Vandal fans. Can the, again, you assume that you're probably going to see some of the freshmen play again. Jackson Eck played a lot. X-Ray Alexander played a lot. Dylan Lane, obviously starting. You expect to see some of these younger guys. Hopefully they can keep up with, with Lewis. But to me, Brian, I still, I'm just, this is one of those games I just don't see anything about Nevada that screams absolutely terrifying to Idaho. If I'm if I'm in the Vandal locker room, I'm going into this game expecting we're going to go in there and win. And am I wrong in that assumption, Brian? No, I I don't think at all that that you're wrong in that assumption. To me, this is look Jason Eck. He has four out of conference games so far. And Idaho has shown up to all four. The talent, the talent level Idaho's playing against doesn't seem to matter. Home versus away does not seem to matter either. Big environment, kind of like University of Indiana University or Washington State versus lower key environment like Lamar. None of that seems to matter. Idaho shows up to play for out of conference. The, the coaching staff is, look, they... They know how much this matters, obviously. Look, if we think it's important, obviously the coaching staff thinks so to a different degree. They know. I mean, hey, Jason Eck was part of the big push to get Western Oregon off of the schedule to get Lamar on, even though we Idaho lost that home game because he's looking forward to the playoffs. You know how much two wins, including an FBS win, would mean for Idaho's potential playoff resume and the chance to have not only momentum heading into conference play, but also to have the chance to have a an easily buy-worthy resume if the Vandals can pick up two out-of-conference wins plus six big sky wins. This buys Idaho a ton of margin for error and makes it virtual to me, Idaho, if Idaho wins this game, it, the only way they stay out of the playoffs is via face planting in the conference season, which there's no reason to believe they will. So no, I, I don't think you're wrong at all to think Idaho has a reasonable chance to pick off this game because this this game is going to mean so goddamn much more to Idaho as well 
than it does to Nevada. Nevada knows they suck. I mean, this is just the, and also a win over an FCS team doesn't mean that much when you're in the mountain West, but for Idaho, when the talent level, Idaho gets to prove the talent level is even or uneven in Idaho's direction and by margin for error for the playoffs. No, dude, this is a huge game for Idaho. Brian, not to look ahead, but if Idaho does win this game, you're 2-0 going into a Pac-12 game on the road, which, again, you probably don't expect to win that, but sitting at 2-1 and one before you go into conference play with a win over an FBS team, I mean, just like Brian, uh, like Patty said, super important for playoff seeding. Getting, uh, again, Nevada is terrible. Like, don't, don't get this wrong, guys. Even if Nevada wins this game, they're an FCS school with considerably more scholarships than Idaho. They are expected to win this game. If they, or they should win this game. If they are not going to, yeah, huge bummer for them. But it, to, to Idaho, it's still an FBS win. It doesn't matter that they're a terrible FCS school. That is a big time victory. As Rakitic 69 says, FBS win in against the Mountain West team would turn heads in the Treasure Valley. It really would. Idaho goes out there and beats Nevada. Boise State's going to do that same thing this year. That is going to to level some people's eyes a little bit with the expectations there. But for what this means for Idaho, you call that, what, one and a half wins with Nevada there? I mean, I don't think a six-win Idaho team could get into the playoffs. But a six-win Idaho team with the schedule that they have and a win over an FBS squad is certainly on the door for that final playoff spot. So like you said, Brian, this game, this game is huge. If you win this game, you feel a whole lot better about the floor of this season because you have just raised the floor of this ceiling to fringe playoff team. Raise the floor of this ceiling. Raise the floor of this team to fringe playoff team. Yeah, so I want to hit the comment section other than uh, a couple other posters. So, hey, Sam Dane says, long-time listener, first-time caller, still getting used to the Vandals being a talented team. Sam, aka former fraternity brother of mine. Uh, yeah, dude. Sometimes sometimes it's uncomfortable getting comfortable. Uh one hit what Patty said in the comment section earlier, uh, regard regarding um god damn it, losing the dude's name. Starting quarterback for Nevada Dallas. Um last year, Lucas this Johnson. Year. This year, Sam Vidlock. Yeah, yeah. Patty made her a comparison to Lucas Johnson, uh, who started for Montana last year, which uh Lucas Johnson was a good rusher who was an inaccurate passer who could hit guys if they were open. He was not going to beat you deep. Uh, that's what Patty said he saw from the snaps. He saw out of uh, out of man, man. I am I'm fading right now with starting quarterback for Nevada. Uh, Lewis, Brendan Lewis, Brendan Lewis. Yes, yes. Um, thank you, Patty, for that. And last last comment section I want to hit. Uh, Kevin Marshall, I said the same thing about Breathing Room today with Stone. Great minds think alike. Yeah, Kevin Marshall, host of FCS Nation Radio. Uh, anyway, so I think we're closing in on the time to pick the score because I think it's impossible to listen to, to this show right now, Dallas, and not come away with the fact that, one, there's just not that much information to have for Nevada unless you are a Nevada Wolfpack honk. But two... One. Even then, Brian, I'm going to jump in real quick. I don't even think that information is out there. I think Nevada, if you want to hear what I think of the Nevada program, I think that Nevada fucking panicked. I think Jay Norvell screwed them, and they reached out to their, what, maybe not most famous alum, but one of the more famous guys from the Chris Alt era. Like, hey, you know what? Well, let's go back to the well. 
he's never been a coach before or head coach before, but he's coached here for 20 years. Let's bring him in. I think that's what Nevada's done. I don't think there's any information on Nevada because they're trying to keep any information from going out because I've seen Idaho do that for 25 damn years. When Idaho was absolutely terrible, it was hard to get any coverage of them and hard to get anything out of the athletic department. I think that's what Nevada is doing right now because I think even Nevada knows they screwed this up. Sorry, Brian. Second well, part. Well, no, dude. I mean, you're right. It's a, it is an unbelievably rough look to think of Norvell leaving Nevada for the cluster that is Colorado State. I mean, Colorado State was killed by Sacramento State last year. Colorado State also was killed by Washington State, which uh, I, I just don't think there's any progress being made there, which is a long way of saying Colorado State looks awful, but they Nevada looks like they're trending down more than Colorado State. This is probably the single most winnable FCS FPS game that we're going to see in the big sky or maybe even the Missouri Valley uh, for this entire season. So, no, I, I think we're ready for game predictions. We just need to get a word from uh, one of our sponsors beforehand, which we're going to talk about Snake River Stampede Canadian Whiskey, which I've told you guys, and I, I will tell you again and again and again. I buy Snake River exclusively by the handle, but the $25 it costs for a fifth makes it one of the best buys in Idaho State liquor stores, which there's two different versions. You have the entry-level Snake River Stampede. That's the one I buy by the handle. It's got a double-barrel finish for in starting in first fill bourbon barrels and finished in Oloroso sherry casks. If you go with their uh, small batch 1915 edition, that which that's aged an additional two years, but in it, it's double barrel finishes is from first fill bourbon to uh, ex Canadian rye casks. Both whiskeys, you can, you can really get strong hints of different flavors from the barrel finish. It's a three grain Canadian whiskey, which is actually relatively unique uh, to a lot of the different Canadian whiskeys available in Idaho, Idaho liquor stores, the 10% rye and 10% malted barley. Those are flavoring grains. They add an additional punch of flavor, both. So uh, yeah, give your, if you have not tried snake river stampede, either version, get it for tailgating this year, guys, you won't regret it. All right. Martin has joined us back in. We're going to go to you first, Martin. Idaho versus Nevada. What's the score? I'm going to go Idaho 35, Nevada 25. Brian? Yeah, I'm looking in the comment section. I see Captain58 saying Idaho by field goal 27-24. KB says 37-27 Vandals. Taylor Cash says 38-20 Idaho. Jason Mayer, 38-30 Idaho. Mark Trivelpiece, Snake River is good stuff. Give it a try. Trust me, I'm a professional. Oh, sorry, got, got lost in the content there. Uh, Andrew Townsend, 41-20 Vandals. Dane Moon, Idaho, 37, Nevada, 24. I think Dane's more along with what I'm thinking. So I'm going to go uh, 37 30, man, 37-21 Idaho. Those are all kind of in the same ballpark. I'm going to go 31-21 Idaho, but I do think uh, I do think I agree with, again, most of the comment section saying this is going to be a multi-score game. I feel like that's where we're headed with this. In, in uh, 2022, Nevada averaged 18.8 points a game and allowed 30.9. I don't necessarily see anything about this team that means they're going to do a whole lot better than that. 31-21 Vandals. Uh, just jumping in here as well, uh, I, Sean Foster, Idaho by 100. Love that. Uh, Patty Furks does say the O-line might struggle a little bit. 
And Rakutitz saying 31-28 with the game-winning field goal, not the Bratzman style. That would be nice. No, Patty just hit on honestly what I think is fair to say. The only anxiety we actually have about Idaho against Nevada is the test that this will be for the offensive line because there wasn't much read truly out of Lamar. All right, guys. That's it about Idaho, Nevada. Let's move on to the rest of the big sky. Gentlemen, how did we do last week? I don't see the stats up. Oh, there we go. Uh, Brian and I went a perfect 12 and 0, and Martin went asterisk 11 and asterisk 11 and 0. Sorry, asterisk 11 and 0 for Brian and I, eight and three for Martin <laughs> because we didn't actually pick the Idaho State game because that's how little anybody cared about it. Uh, totally which thought out, which turned out to be a mistake. I mean, it really did. It, they might actually be fun bad this year, which is something. Unfortunately, because of that, we're not going to commit to the bit of just not picking Idaho State games at all this year. I thought that was what we were going to do. Thought it would have been kind of funny to just probably myself and just myself only. But I promise you, we will pick the Idaho State game. So let's jump right in, guys. Can I preface this? I I just want to preface this. This is a rough week for the big sky. Uh, For anyone who's actually looked for the at the the schedule itself, which I, I did during the Big Sky Power Rankings episode. There is one Big Sky home game this entire week, and there are a lot of Big Sky FBS matchups that are nowhere near as favorable as Idaho at Nevada. And then even the FCS on FCS matchups, minus Montana, are not that favorable. So... We're going to pick ISU, but we're producing live in public. I literally left work 60 seconds before jumping on this show. So my brain is a little bit all over the place. But the one thing I'm not going to forget is if you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Hughes River Expeditions has been vandal-owned and operated since 1976, and they're ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or even take a trip down the Selway River. You can check out special trips like one to see the Perset Meteor Shower, camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in the beautiful natural hot springs, and even fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the entire country. Just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Gentlemen, I know everyone has been waiting for this moment. Idaho State versus Utah State. Martin, the floor is yours. Martin, you're muted. Hashtag amateur hour. Utah State, as a surprise to nobody. So if you listened to the Power Rankings episode last night, you found out that Idaho State in week one against San Diego State threw 63 times and had five total rushes that were not quarterback runs, which count sacks. 
So five five times a guy who is not the quarterback rushed the ball on purpose for Idaho State against San Diego State. That itself makes Idaho State move from team we forget about picking to at least once they become must watch to just see what they're doing because at, at worst case scenario, this team's going to be fun. Cody Hawkins is committing very hard to being the anti Charlie Ragel, including having a press conference where he referenced, yes, there are moral victories. And if we have enough moral victories, the team's going to get better. Players are going to feel fulfilled. Thank you, Cody Hawkins for doing that. But th this is not the week Idaho state is going to pick up a win. Uh, they're obviously going to lose to Utah state, even looking good against San Diego state. Like the quarterback still has, Still has to be resolved. Jordan Cook looked like the, I mean, he started through 41 passes, but he's a freshman. He's got a ton of talent, but uh, boy, does he have some decision-making to improve on Utah State. Yeah, I mean, I got to agree with you guys. The comment section saying USU, Blue Aggies, like it's cool that Idaho State's getting a little bit better. I would love for that to turn into a fun rivalry game as long as Idaho is at the FCS level. But no, Utah State is not particularly great, but they're they're gonna crush Idaho State. It, it shouldn't be particularly close. Next up, UC Davis at Oregon State. Oregon State being the number sixteen team in the FBS. I uh, Oregon State. Obviously, like obviously, Oregon State's gonna win this game. But if you're watching, uh, what to look for out of out of UC Davis is Lan Larison. Looks like he's gonna probably replaced about 90 plus percent of what UC Davis lost in Elonzo Gilliam graduating uh, in week one, Larison 16 rushes for 109 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, also pay attention to Trent Tompkins. He sees the ball on the ground and through the air. Uh, but uh, look, obviously again, Oregon state's going to win this. Um, it, it will be a meaningful moral victory. If UC Davis keeps it close and it, look, if UC Davis keeps it close, uh, the entire league is on notice that the narrative of UC Davis being among the best in the big sky, but just having shitty luck, keeping them out of the playoffs, man, if they keep it close against Oregon state, they're, they're making their case for top in the conference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Honestly, if, if they can keep it close against Oregon state for, or make Oregon state even sweat a little bit in that fourth quarter, that is a very terrifying thing uh, for what UC Davis could do to this conference. I think this is going to be pretty big blowout for Oregon State. Oregon State, I think, deserves to be in the top twenty-five. I don't know if sixteenth is quite high, enough, uh, quite where they should be, but they are a very good team in what is going to be the final year of the Pac-12. Jason Mayer has Beavis forty-eight, Davis seventeen. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this is going to be a thirty-point victory. I don't see UC Davis hanging super close in this one. Again, Brian gave some good points on things to look for, but at the end of the day, I think just Oregon State is just too talented. Top five, Portland State, taking on another FBS school, this time taking on Wyoming. Uh, I Wyoming by at least 50, I think. that I know they're, I know they say they're top five, but that was, that was worse than when Idaho lost to Penn State a couple of years ago. That was bad, bad. Yeah, Portland State scored in the first quarter, too. Like it wasn't a garbage time touchdown that stopped the bleeding against the third stringers. No, Oregon State scored and then you know surrendered only like seventy consecutive points. So Wyoming also coming off a huge win over Texas Tech, 
Uh, this is Wyoming looking like they're trending in the opposite direction in the Mountain West as as Nevada. So I don't think this is going to be close. So Portland State always plays the most worthless out-of-conference schedule in the big sky. where They always have two FBS games. And then they, they don't even have the dignity to schedule a D2 game. They schedule a, their third game against American or some other God knows what conference team. So no, Wyoming is going to win this easily. I guess if you're looking for any glimmer from Port, the Portland State side, it's does Dante Sachere have a bit of a rebound, which it would be hard to not have a rebound relative to what we saw against Oregon. But uh, Sachere being elect, having uh, struck, having striking both on the ground and through the air is really the only chance for or- Portland State to pick up wins in the Big Sky season. Never mind in the OOC. Yeah, uh, Andrew Townsend saying Portland State Athletic Department rolling in the Bucks. C. Hansen saying 65-10 for Wyoming. Jason Mayer, 47-4. to I love the two safeties. That's great. Uh, Taylor Cash saying, hey, we play Wyoming next year. Take a look. Patty Firks, tell me this wouldn't be the most PSU thing ever to put up a big performance. That is true. They have beaten uh, they've beaten the Pac-12 team before. But they weren't complete ball. garbage the year they did. That was their playoff year. That was the one that was first year of Barney Ball back then. Guys, I think we are not giving Portland State enough credit. Uh, with... I mean, as deep as six minutes left in the first quarter, Portland State was only trailing by a touchdown. For anybody that doesn't know Portland State uh, or doesn't care to follow Portland State, it was 8-0 a couple minutes into their game against Oregon last week. It was 8-7 the drive after that, and then they promptly lost 81-7. to So, yeah, this game is going to be really, 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 really bad. Not that bad, but... Portland State should lose this by 35. Let's move on. Another uh, FCS-FBS matchup. Guys, we got a bunch of these to get through. Eastern Washington at Fresno State. Uh, I uh, Fresno State. I, don't, I think it'll be something like a casual 17-point win for them. Yeah, pretty easy Fresno State pick. Um, if you're watching Eastern, you want to see how if Kiko Vesperis continues to look like he could threaten to be a top half of the Big Sky quarterback. And there were moments against North Dakota State where Eastern looked stronger on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously not the entire game. They surrendered 500 plus yards against North Dakota State. But you're looking for moments of where Eastern looks uh, tougher on the defensive side of the ball that where you can generalize and say, okay, if they can, if they can look like this for a quarter or two quarters or a half against Fresno, they can probably look like this against Montana. Yeah. I think the only thing that needs to be mentioned here is uh, Patty Firks in the comments section. We're going to get blown TF out. Uh, Jason Mayer picking Fresno 49 Eastern 13. I think that's probably about the, what the score is going to be. I thought Patty was a University of Idaho student, and I just heard the word we. Yeah, that's, I mean, we'll work on that. Jesus Christ. Patty, your internet dads are very disappointed in you. Uh, guys, this game's not going to be close, but Eastern's going to get blown out. This is, uh, they got handled by North Dakota State. And Fresno State's probably better than North Dakota State. This is this is just no. This is just not good. This is hot take. Yeah, uh, maybe this not, will be like the uh, 2018 Idaho Fresno game, the first one back. My in God! Year. Ouch! Thanks, Martin, for really just ruining every thought I had of having no nightmares tonight. Hashtag really appreciate gloves. that. Yeah, 
Speaking of Kikoa, two gloves. Anyways, guys, let's move on to yet another dog shit game. Cal Poly at San Jose State. San Jose State. I'm not going to call this a complete dog shit game. Look, obviously, obviously San Jose State is going to win this game. But I, I think San Jose State is more analogous to a good Big Sky team, talent-wise. And look, Cal Poly... Cal Poly is going to score some points this season, guys. Sam Heward has, to me, the best arm talent in the big sky. He's not going to be the best quarterback, but he definitely has the best arm talent. I think Cal Poly is making, making – they're going to move up the big sky totem pole throughout this season, but they're going to lose at San Jose State. But keep in mind, San Jose State should have lost to Portland State last year. So the, San Jose absolutely has the chance to lose against – not that great big sky teams, but they're not going to this week. Yeah. On the other foot of that, San Jose State also lost to Auburn, Fresno State, and Utah State all on the road by a touchdown or less. So team that went seven and five, yeah, could have could have certainly lost to Portland State and really changed that season. Also could have won a couple more games and turned it around. Long story short, guys, this is gonna be bad. Uh Jason Mayer saying San Jose 35-28. Patty Firk saying the Spartans look good. Cal Poly looks like a 2010 Eastern team. It's probably because Bo Baldwin was trying to build a 2010s Eastern team. I don't think Cal Poly's got the horses to get through in this one. I do have one one minor question. What about the Spartans looks good? They lost by almost 40 in week one, week zero to USC, and then lost by almost 30 to Oregon State. So, I mean, look, those are good teams they lost to. But I don't think San Jose State has shown this this season that uh, they're any sort of threat yet with getting their ass kicked week one and week two. But you also have to imagine with Cal, uh, Cal Poly after getting your ass kicked by Pac-12 teams is going to feel pretty damn good. Yeah, I think uh, – I don't know what uh, – thank you, Taylor Cash, uh, mentioning nice pun. That was a mascot joke I made about the horses. And uh, there I, I wanted one person to laugh at that joke. That's the sign of a good joke when one person understands it. Uh I mean, it's. I don't want to get into a deep dive about San Jose State, but they lost to a team that might have a repeat Heisman winner for the first time in 50 years. I think Oregon State is absolutely top 25 team. It's it's tough to kind of know when you go yeah. in there and you know you're going to get your ass shredded in two games. So, moving on. You could just read the San Jose State too deep. That is very true. We've done that before on this show. Uh, guys, we're going to just jump right ahead to another really bad football game northern colorado versus incarnate word this is fcs on fcs but uh what are we thinking martin incarnate word yeah incarnate word is going to win this game uh, look incarnate words own one lost at utep 28 14 in week one but northern colorado just didn't show anything against Abilene Christian who look Abilene Christian is on the, is a, an ascending relatively speaking big sky team or sorry, uh, FCS team, but man, Northern Colorado was the disappointment of week one in the big sky. So I, I, I agree with Taylor cash uh, incarnate word is going to win. They're going to win by a lot. Yeah. Patty Ferks, UIW Taylor cash, the word by a lot, Jason Mayer word to your mother, 48 to one. This is this is going to be one of those games I think that makes Ed Lamb maybe regret taking this job. If there's ever a moment that you'd second guess your decision, 
this is probably going to be one of them. I'm assuming Incarnate Word will absolutely smoke Northern Colorado. Guys, I would say let's get to a good game, but there's not a whole lot of those. So we're just going to keep powering through this schedule here. Montana at Utah Tech, formerly known as Dixie State for any of the longtime FCS fans. Utah Tech. Montana is going to win this. Like Utah Tech just lost by 43 to Montana State. Um, and the, the interesting part to me from this game is Montana was underwhelming against Butler, but th- there were some moments in the game that I saw that um, I think are promising for Montana, particularly in the first half. Yes, I know the running game in the second half is kind of what Montana used to put the game away. But Brent Peace looked like he has some flexibility on the offensive end. Uh, that was just not there for Montana. Saw saw much more spread looks than we typically have. Sam Vidlak has an arm. Uh, he's an, he hasn't played a ton at the D1 level, so look, there's going to be a learning curve. He threw two picks, one of which was absolutely not his fault. The receiver bobbled a pass and essentially handed it to the Lamar DB, the sorry the Butler DB. But I. I don't think Montana's offensive line is their big issue now offensively, but I, I think they have some pieces. They have some talent uh, at the, in the receiving room as well. So I look, I think Montana's going to win this pretty easily. I also think they're going to be a bit motivated to look better than they did against a Butler. And I think this Montana team is better than what we saw week one against Butler. Uh, because again, they, no matter how you want to shit on Montana because of fan base expectations, th- we know they're not a bad team. So Montana's going to win this pretty easy. Yeah, Montana should win this pretty handily. I don't know if they're going to necessarily look good doing it, but I think that Bobby Houck is okay with not looking good because he's certainly committed to that in the second stretch of his time at Montana. Everybody in the comment section saying Montana, Jason Mayer, 28-7, Taylor Cash, 35-17, C. Hansen, 35-20. The seat gets hotter, Jason Mayer says. I think that's really that's the only thing interesting about these out-of-conference games for Montana is does the seat get hotter if they win this game close and it doesn't feel like a bloodbath? That's really the only interesting thing about this game to me. Moving forward, guys, just a couple more bad games before we get to a very interesting game. Sac State at Texas A&M. Central Commerce or whatever the hell that it's too long. Your T A M U C C. That's what I care about. Sac State, and you know, I'm just gonna be honest here. This seems like we're we're going through some veggies to get to the steak. One hundred percent. Sacramento State. Look, Texas A and M Commerce was annihilated by U C Davis. I think forty eight to three in week one. Sacramento State was still playing through quarterback, who they're going to start at quarterback in week one, Carson Camp and Caden Bennett. I think Caden Bennett won the starting job after week one because th- this isn't last season where one guy's the passer and one guy's the rusher. Both the pa- both quarterbacks, Carson Camp and Caden Bennett, are throwers. Caden Bennett just happens to be able to run and looks like a better passer than Carson Camp. So that's you know that that's your mo- your moment of intrigue. But the big sky on Southland violence will continue. Yeah, this is going to be a really bad game. Uh, again, as you've probably noticed, if you're still listening to us, uh, this is not a great great week for the big sky here. Uh, Patty Brooks saying, Sac State, Commerce isn't good. Taylor Cash, sacked by a lot. Jason Mayer, 42-6 for Sac State. Yeah, this is going to be a bloodbath. Brian, I think you're absolutely right. I think Caden Bennett looked better than Carson Camp last week. 
be interesting to see if they do stick to the kind of two quarterback thing. You know, do the old Paul Petrino. I'm not going to name the starter until the conference starts, but obviously my kid's going to play because he's my kid. You know, there's no kid here, so maybe they try to play a couple games, and maybe maybe we see a different battle out of camp. But I mean, going off a of week one, Caden Bennett looked like the guy. I think he looked better than Dunaway did last year, and honestly, not a big fan of the two quarterback thing. So maybe Bennett ends up being better than the combo of O'Hara and Dunaway, but all of this to say Sac State is absolutely going to run away with this. Martin making jokes in the outline. I cannot say that because I'm always the person that yeah. says things and gets us in trouble. Jesus so I'm Christ. not going to say that. Sorry. Hit the comment section really quick. Jason Mayer, shout out central Michigan, Sam Dane, spot on impression. Mason, we all live through the PTSD. Mason Petrino. He's been gone since 2019. Paul Petrino has been gone for quite some time. We can probably well. I'm never gonna like actually let it go, but Brian, like, you're the one who mentioned there's two quarterbacks playing, but they're not. You know, it's not one running, one throwing. Like, so just had to say the last time we saw two quarterbacks playing consistently at Idaho, that was what we had. So, <laughs> anyways, again, guys, we are really trying to just struggle through these last few games. Jesus this Christ, maybe a bit more interesting. Not really. NAU at North Dakota. Uh, North Dakota. NAU to me is is man. They're NAU and Portland State are in a death match to me for the team that I am just completely over. Um, obviously, you go in North Dakota because North look North Dakota picked up a win in their first week. Yeah, it was over Drake, but NAU is floundering. Much more, they're floundering level similar to Portland State, but at least with Portland State, you can talk about the resources. You can talk about not having their actual stadium playing at a high school in a different suburb slash town. NAU has the resources to be fine, uh, but they're at the same level. So yeah, North Dakota. Yeah, guys, this is North Dakota. I, I'm fully on with this. North Northern Arizona, nobody cares. Like Flagstaff's a cool enough place, but you're athletic department isn't and especially not your football team to, clar to clarify dallas what you care about is you're hoping chris ball's done after this year because it yeah. sucks that this is what northern arizona is they shouldn't be this low in the big sky no they really shouldn't but this is this is what happens when you hire a bad coach and then give him way too much time um idaho is just recovering from that uh nothing else about this one guys moving on to two games that are at least much more Interesting. Weber State at Northern Iowa. I I'm gonna give it to uh the fighting barbecue states. Man, uh this to me is the toughest game to pick because neither team gave you much week one to take away with Northern uh Northern Iowa loses 30 to 9 to Iowa State. Uh Weber State beats a D2 team. Weber State, Northern Iowa are also pretty dang close DNA-wise to the, the style of team they typically are. Both defensive-oriented, typically don't score a ton. Um, I'm going to go with Weber State for no reason other than that. I am so sick of Northern Iowa always being like 7-5, and five, but somehow thought of as like a sleeper or sneaking into the playoffs or always being grandfathered into the top 25. But there's real concerns for Weber. They did not look as, as good on the D-line at all as they typically do. 
there's still talent in the secondary, but Jay Hill pillaged the secondary on his way over to BYU as well. And Weber, to me, unequivocally starts the least talented quarterback in the big sky. I don't think Weisler would, would start at any other big sky school. I'm counting Idaho State. I'm counting Northern Colorado. Jacob Sermon is not a talent-free dude. So I'm I'm going with Weber State, but in my head, this is a 51, 51%, 49% type of pick. Yeah, I guys, I got to be honest. I picked Weber when I first looked at this game. I'm changing the pick. I'm going to say you and I, and it's only because it's at home. This is a game between two teams that are both kind of just mediocre, kind of coasting on reputation at this point. Hopefully, Weber State turns it around. I don't have any ill will toward that program. I love the Weber State Weekly, guys. Shout out, Colby. Awesome, dude. Uh, again, you're hoping to see more. If you're a Weber State fan, you're hoping to see that the offense might do something more than just be just terrible. And Brian, like you said, Northern Iowa has been mediocrely good for so long. Yeah, they almost beat South Dakota State last year. Yeah, they almost beat Sac State last year. This will be a very close game. Uh, KB in the comment section saying, want Weber to win to keep Weber relevant for Big Sky rankings? Absolutely. If you're looking at the Big Sky as a whole, Weber State getting this means that, yeah, those top six teams are all fighting for playoff bids. That's what you want. But where this is on the road, I'm going to give it to UNI. I don't love that, and I'm immediately regretting saying it out loud, but that's what we're going with. Like like Brian, like you said, it's 51-49. Just funny because the moment I said Weber, I, I also started regretting having picked them, but what, whatever. Look, these teams are two relatively close overall, and look, look at Sagarin, Northern Iowa is at 101. If you look look at uh, Weber State and Sagarin, they're at 126. So Sagarin would say you, you made the right pick, but We'll stay there. Rankings-wise, uh, Weber State number 12, UNI number 21. I don't know what poll that's in, but they're relatively close in the polls. I do enjoy KB in the comment section who is fixating on the duster over my left shoulder. Full disclosure, this is an office space I share with someone who is not me, so I can't claim ownership of said duster. Uh, but KB, if Weber loses, yes, uh, for you, I will break out the duster next week. <laughs> Guys, that takes us to our final game, which is actually a good game. Again, Weber State, you and I, good game in the fact that they're close. Maybe as watching football goes, maybe not a good game. This one here has all the makings of a hopeful classic, which means I just cursed the shit out of it. Montana State at South Dakota State. I, I'm going to go uh, South Dakota State. Dude, this is tough. Uh, both teams looked great. Of course, South Dakota State was against Western Oregon. Um, I think this this means it's more important for South Dakota State just by the fact of them having one fewer potential playoff game to count. It is also in, at South Dakota State. Um, I'm going to tepidly give this to South Dakota State over Montana State, but not not quite as confident. I mean, the... The thing to me that's different is South Dakota State, Mark Ranowski, he can pass uh, significantly mm-hmm. better than what Tommy Milan or Sean Chambers can do. Both these teams can run. Both these teams play real, have real big boy lines. They have real big boy defensive lines too. But because of home, because of the home edge um, and just because like South, South Dakota State does not look like they've missed a beat after winning a title, I'm going to go with the Jackrabbits. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with the Jackrabbits as well. Uh, for anybody keeping score, they beat the piss out of Montana State last year. Yes, it was in December. And if you talk to anybody that has ever considered themselves a fan of Montana State football, they will tell you that it was rigged and that the field was icy and that so many other things that caused Montana State to lose that game, even though, again, both teams are playing on the same surface and both teams played in the same stadium and you know all the things that make logical sense. Anyways, all of that to say, Montana State brings back almost that entire team. South Dakota State loses a little bit more, but Brian, like you said, they bring back one of the best quarterbacks in the conference or in their conference, one of the best quarterbacks, honestly, in in the FCS. Certainly better than what Montana State is going to trot out there from at least from a throwing standpoint. They bring back four of their five offensive line starters. They have a pair of twin receivers that are outstanding. They're the number one team in the nation for a reason. I know that Jimmy Rogers is only in his second game there as the head coach, but I just don't see it. I think San Diego, San Diego State, boy, it's been a long night. South Dakota State, I think San Diego State would win this game too. South Dakota State wins this fairly close. I think it's going to be closer than that 39-18 in the playoffs last year, but I still think South Dakota State just has too much for Montana State. Yeah, hit the comment section, Jack Schneider saying SDSU, and we have Patty saying, I think SDU's front seven is is too good unless MSU can throw the ball with any consistency, which is that's just not how Montana State beats teams. But look, the other thread I have to get to in the comment section, hijacking the show. Again, the duster over my left shoulder. Uh, We have C. Hansen saying, it's not Brian's, disappointing. Jason Mayer, the duster is $20 extra. Um, Maybe I need to record a separate show to address the duster but it's officially becoming, especially if Weber State loses, like I said, it will be a character next week. Are we going to have to sweep up the remains of Weber State if we lose? Can we use the duster? Because I don't want to get a broom. Maybe if we get enough people to join at patreon.com backslash tubs of the club for hashtag only tubs, the Discord chat, again, during football season, guys, it's the single best online place uh, to beat for Idaho games. It's super active it has none of the annoyance that virtually all of the internet has with trolls because of some work we did Uh, but uh honestly it makes the games a lot more fun and then these are a bunch of people that you you can see at the game games when you come in moscow so help us out help us keep the lights on helps me buy a couple extra whiskeys but maybe what we need to do is if we get enough new patrons we will just have a recurring segment with the duster dallas you're muted Damn it, you're right. I said, there we go. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Again, patreon.com backslash tubs at the club. If you want to hang out on game day threads, that's the best place to do it. We had a couple different people sign up during the game last week. We will be monitoring the email. So if you decide come game day, you're watching it on either SWX, uh, if you're local to the Spokane area, you're watching it. Again, I think you can sign up for free on the Mountain West website. It's already free as it is. It is, according to someone who just DM'd me, it has been picked up by SWX and KTVB for the Boise market. How about that? Look at that. So, SWX, KTVB, if you're watching it online, Mountain West Network, come hang out with us. It's a lot of fun. You might have seen slapdicks getting thrown up on the screen a couple different times. I apparently infamously now called the Lamar announcers slapdicks in our Discord thread, and people made a joke out of it. So You mean correctly. I mean, it was it was pretty correct. I mean, come on. Uh, although I thought Chavez looked great kicking and punting and doing kickoffs, he crushed all three of those. 
Anyways, guys, all of that to say, 4 p.m. on Saturday, Idaho at Nevada. We will be bringing you an instant reaction, maybe instantly after the game, maybe the next day. We'll figure it out instantly after the game. Brought to you by Snake River Stampede Canadian Whiskey. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. This is producer Brian doing a terrible job of even finding what we're going to play us out with. So I'm just going, we're just going to call it good. See you guys Tuesday.